Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Why have you summoned me, Ashley? Okay, uh, first off... You don't look anything like your photo, so you might want to update that. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. Welcome back to The Syndicate's. It's been a hot minute. It has. Not really. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're here. We're talking about the Evil Dead franchise. And before we get started, you poured us some glasses of beer. What's this beer called? This is a uh, Three Floyds uh, Blot Out the Sun Imperial Stout. Mm, delicious. Not sponsored by them, but they're just great. And their branding is very apropos yes. for the film we're going to be discussing yes. today. The Evil Dead. So cheers, my friend. Cheers. Mm. Oh, Ooh, baby. That is blotting out the sun, mm-hmm. which is very on brand because that happens in one of the movies, at least. Yeah. Evil Dead. So before we talk about Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, the Evil Dead 2, the Evil Dead, the Evil Dead remake, <laughs> the Evil <laughs> the Dead Rise. <laughs> Evil Dead Redux. Yes. Before we go into all of those films, maybe Army of Darkness too. How did you first discover the Evil Dead? The Evil Dead. Um, I honestly don't remember, but I know this must have been like around 2014, 2015. So quite a while ago. Um, I Around the time we met. Yeah. I, at that time, I think I brought it up on the show before my YouTube series. Screen Jumper. Uh, screen Jumper. I was very much into movies and film uh, film criticism at the time and uh, just in the zeitgeist of what I was researching, like evil dead came up mm. um, as like a classic. Uh, it it might've been part of my research for silent Hill. Um, I don't know, but it, 
it basically just kept coming up as a horror movie classic. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I got to add that to the list. I got to watch that eventually. And so I did. Uh, and I loved it. Really? Yes. I loved the evil dead. Um, and so I told my sister, Abby, um, Hey, cause she likes horror movies as well. I got a movie you got to check out. And, uh, we watched the evil dead Then we watched the evil dead two. And, oh uh, <laughs> really? We watched Evil Dead 2, and uh, we were at home, I think like in the basement or something, watching it, and uh, my dad comes walking in during the scene where like the naked zombie girlfriend like is dancing in the moonlight. Yes. <laughs> yes. One of the most awkward times ever <laughs> to try to explain that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. But uh, I pressed on, watched Army of Darkness, and I'm like, this is wild and wacky and fun uh yeah i loved it i loved uh reading about the making of it and figuring mm. out how they did all the effects and stuff like that so yes. um it yeah it was just a great little series uh and then um was i working at the movie theater uh, i was working at a movie theater probably around the time when the evil dead reboot came out was it hollywood um, boulevard no this Cinemark? was um this is the the AMC on uh, like ninety fifth and Route fifty nine. Oh, the show place, show place, yes, yep, show place sixteen. Uh, so I was working there for like basically between semesters, and I think I missed the window like when um, Evil Dead was actually in theaters, but um, they had like some spare posters of it in the break room, uh, stuff like that. So that also may have like jogged my my interest in it as far as like, huh, what's this? But, um, I didn't actually see that movie until like much later, maybe like a year or two ago. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll get to our discussion of that, but yes, that's kind of how I discovered this. Wow. Okay. So I discovered the evil dead franchise when I was a teenager. Okay. Because I don't know if you knew this, I hung around a lot of goth people. Oh, as a teenager, the wrong crowd, the wrong, yes, <laughs> the edgy crowd. Yeah. Um, so in between, uh, the black clothes and the black lipstick and the fishnets, some of my friends had movie posters in their, in their rooms. Mm -hmm. And one of them was the army of darkness. Okay. And as little teenager me, I was like, what's that? They're like, Oh, it's the evil dead. And I was like, what's the evil dead? They're like, Oh my God. It's got a chainsaw for a hand. Yes. They start talking about, Ash, the main character with the chainsaw for the hand and the boomstick. And I didn't get any of these references. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I was familiar with the franchise, but I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it until I was in college, which another friend of mine. So I went to community college mm -hmm. uh, before I went to university. And this older sage of a man that I befriended, he was like, I'm going to give you this VHS tape which I'm going to show you right now. It was called The Evil Dead. Oh, collector's edition. Yes. Digitally mastered. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. He was like, you will love this movie. So then I watched it and I did. I was mm. like, this movie is incredible because it's like straight up horror, like almost like a throwback to horror because it was made in the 80s, but it feels like an older film. Yeah. And it's super low budget. And I just instantly fell in love with it. And Bruce Campbell's in it. Mm -hmm. And this dude was in love with Bruce Campbell. 
And I fell in love with Bruce Campbell after watching <laughs> yeah. The Evil Dead too. And I didn't watch any of the other movies until recently. Okay. I was guest starring on this podcast because of Evil Dead Rise. So I was like, you know what? This is my opportunity to watch all of the Evil Dead movies. And I, this happens a lot. This happened to me with Gremlins. You're on the Gremlins episode, weren't you? I think so, yeah. I think you were. But anyways, this, Gremlins, so many other movies from the 80s, I was like, I waited too long. <laughs> Why did I wait so long to watch this? Because I absolutely love this movie. I didn't know how incomplete I was. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. This is why people love this movie so much. Because Evil Dead 2 and the Army of Darkness, I was watching it. I had a smile on my face the whole time. Mm. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And younger version of me would have been absolutely head over heels for this movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed those two movies. And then I watched the remake. And when the remake came out, I remember when it came out. I remember when they announced it. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no. What was the tagline on the poster? Like the most terrifying film you'll ever experience? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to get into that movie. But like what I have to say about it right now is it came during a time period where, I don't know, the zeitgeist was just making reboots of old movies, old mm -hmm. franchises. And the Evil Dead was one of them. And I'm like, is nothing sacred anymore? Isn't that around the time they made the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street reboot? That was... I think that was like 2012. Yeah, right around that time. So the Evil Dead reboot came out in 2013. So yeah. <laughs> Who, whoever had the right... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake during that time. I think it all started with the Friday the 13th reboots, which was 2009. Okay. I believe. I think that's what kickstarted everything. We got that. Nightmare on Elm Street, which wasn't good. Nope. I like I liked the dude that plays Rorschach. Yeah. But I think that killed his career. Yeah. <laughs> because he's not in anything else. Oh. Oh, my God. Um. So, yeah. I didn't. I avoided 2013. Until recently. Okay. And I have some fucking thoughts. <laughs> and then I, I, I was like, I'm going to watch this because I thought it was a sequel. I thought Evil Dead Rise was a sequel to 2013 and it wasn't. No. It's its own thing. Yeah. It's almost like a anthology movie. Yes. Where it's like in the same universe, but completely different. Well, different story. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yes. So before we go any further, we talked about how we discovered this beloved franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now, before we go any further, Aaron, could you give me the general plot line? This, these movies are pretty much all the same. Yeah. Um, do you want the plot line for this movie in particular or like any Evil Dead movie? Let's just say, what, what's the overall plot line for The Evil Dead? Okay. So for The Evil Dead, you have Ash Williams, our hero, Bruce Campbell, and a bunch of his friends going up to... A cabin uh, in the middle of nowhere for cabin the weekend. The woods. Um, basically just having a good time. And uh, one of them, uh, kind of like the nerdy friend, he discovers this weird old book and uh, these like tapes um, about like made by like some researcher of the book. And he's mm -hmm. basically like describing like what it what it means, what it says, that sort of thing. And by 
opening the book, leafing through it, and I believe like reading some of the passages. Um, oops, they unle- unleash this demonic presence that uh, <laughs> starts like basically possessing different people and just causing all sorts of evil supernatural chaos tomfoolery yes and so ash williams has to try to survive the best that he can uh using whatever he could find around the cabin including a chainsaw and shotgun yes uh to glorious gory effect yes and basically the same thing happens in evil dead 2 yeah uh and then we get to army of darkness and that's probably the the biggest departure from the series uh ash gets teleported uh supernaturally back in time to uh medieval europe yes and uh he basically has to not only fight the kind of evil that's been unleashed there but also try to find a way to get back home mm-hmm. uh and th- so th- those kind of major plot moments are repeated in the 2013 remake and evil dead rise yes. where Particularly in 2013, you have uh, these friends going to the cabin, but it's not for a great time. They are trying to get one of their friends off of heroin. Mia. Yeah. So uh, they're basically just there for like moral support. But Mm -hmm. same thing happens. They find the book. They read it. Evil is unleashed. Yes. And the biggest difference with Evil Dead Rise is that it's not in a cabin in the woods. It's in like a derelict apartment building. Yes. Uh, in Los Angeles. Air quotes, Los yeah, Angeles. We'll get to that. Um, and it, it's it's more of a like a family unit instead of a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a mom and her kids and her sister who ends up being kind of the protagonist of the movie. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's your basic plot structure for a uh, Evil Dead movie. Yes. You go somewhere, ideally isolated. You find the Necronomicon, the Book yes. of the Dead. Yes. Uh, you get a little too curious, unleash evil. Uh, evil starts to consume and corrupt uh, everyone and everything around you. Uh, you somehow have to, have to destroy it and survive. Yes. You fuck around and then you find out. Yes. <laughs> then you got to fight the evil. Yeah. And then you're forever changed from the experience. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Um, growing up, I watched Evil Dead. And I really liked it. Like the first film was pretty, pretty serious. Yeah. There were some moments of levity, uh, but like with the sequels, Evil Dead 2, which essentially is a reboot, soft reboot of the first film, and then Army of Darkness, they ham it up. Oh, yes. It's, it's more a comedic movie. And I think that's where the cult following comes from. Because mm-hmm. like you have this really cool premise in the first film. Of like, okay, cabin in the woods. Uh, they find the the book of the dead, that Gronomicon. They unleash evil, fight evil, and Ash Williams is a sole survivor. And then Sam Raimi was like, "Let me redo that movie, but add a little bit of humor to it, and add a little bit of storyline to it. A little, just a little." <laughs> and it just worked. It worked so well, and mm-hmm. I think that's what the new movies are missing in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Cause like with the new movies, 2013 and evil dead rise, they're fine movies. I mean, they're very serious movies, especially 2013. Yeah. And 
I think that's fine. But like to have for me the Evil Dead name, there needs to be some sort of either dark comedy or even like goofiness to it, the campiness. I think that's what makes an Evil Dead movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. As I was like thinking and preparing for this podcast, um, just thinking about like how to discuss this movie, I'm like, okay, you're making an Evil Dead movie. What do you need? And I started like basically listing out what I explained earlier. Um, Ash Williams. Yeah. Groovy. <laughs> you need, <laughs> yeah. You need, you know, the Necronomicon, these evil spirits, uh, chainsaw, chainsaw, <laughs> shotgun, and just like the most obvious things, right? Yeah. And then I realized that's what they did with 2013 and Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it felt like, especially Evil Dead Rise, it just felt like a paint-by-numbers form of Mm. Evil Dead. Okay. And by that, I mean everything that you expect to be in there is in there. You know, Dead by Dawn, I'm going to swallow your soul. She's Uh, with the maggots. Yeah. And they, like, hit all those beats, but there's really not much else to it. Mm -hmm. And I got to think about, like what would you need to do in order for it to feel like an evil dead movie and be an evil dead movie in its own right, but to not feel like paint by numbers. And I'm not exactly sure what, but, uh, when you look at the originals with Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, their kind of like creative teamwork is really kind of the core of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to do something new and interesting and they're, particular brand of doing that is this juxtaposition of uh horror and comedy yeah. in this case they have a very like kind of juvenile goofy kind of sense of humor um very slapstick vaudevillian especially uh with army of darkness mm-hmm. uh it just gets straight up three stooges at times and um <laughs> as i believe we talked about on our uh on our jordan peele episode with nope um what Jordan Peelis pointed out is that the difference between comedy and horror is the music. Yes. Um, if you take a, a step back and look at the kind of setup and payoff of scares and jokes, they're pretty much the same uh, where there's like, they establish something. Um, they kind of like lead up to this moment of increased tension or um, misdirection in like the case of comedy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a moment where, uh, the tension is uh, released either through like a terrifying moment or the punchline. And uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell seem to really understand this. Well, um, for example, you could take a look at uh, Spider-Man two, that scene with Doc Ock where he's getting the, the octopus arms installed or mm-hmm. they're trying to remove them, I, I think. And uh, the arms just go crazy and start like, killing all the doctors in the room like that's legitimately terrifying yes um there's not a moment of levity levity in that scene mm-hmm. um so he understands horror really well yes and he knows how to mix it with humor in just the right dose and in evil dead 2 an army of darkness that's made that's done especially well mm-hmm. uh he's having a good time he's uh you know just pushing all the right buttons as far as horror and comedy go. And 
all of that is kind of missing from 2013 and Evil Dead Rise. Yes. There's not really any moments of like comedy or levity. There's like one moment, maybe, maybe two in Evil Dead Rise, but it it doesn't feel like authentic. It just feels like it was kind of there, but it's not blended well with the rest of the movie in a way that the humor in like Army of Darkness is, for example. Yeah, with Evil Dead Rise, because I saw it in theaters on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and I was one of three people in Oh, there. no. Maybe I was one of five. And, like, it was a pretty gruesome movie. Like, there was, like, one or two scenes where the whole audience of five people yeah. <laughs> were like, ooh, when she got impaled with the, I don't even know. Oh, yeah, like a broomstick or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, we have this movie with, like, intense violence. Or, like, that scene where she's, like, eating glass. And you could see, like, the glass shards going Ooh. down her esophagus and yeah. poking out of her, her neck. I'm trying to think, like, were there any moments of humor? And I think the only moment was when, I forget who, someone in the hallway. One of the, the neighbors. Their eyeballs get popped out of their head. And yeah, the eyeball. She like bites it out and then she like spits it. Oh yeah. And it lands in like another neighbor's mouth. Yes. That was like, it was gross, but like <laughs> as I was watching it, I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. But it, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't consider that funny. I guess it's a dark humor as in it's like yeah. humorous, but not really funny type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what would make it work. Um, a, a huge part of why it works with the originals is just because Bruce Campbell is such a charismatic and funny dude. He like, yes. he knows comedic timing really well. And so when like bad things happen to him, Looney Tunes style, the way that he like reacts makes it really funny. Yes. Um, whereas with, it, it, it felt like that joke was inserted into a movie that is just extremely serious with, uh, actors or characters who can't, react well enough to make it work as as a moment of comedy it takes a very special set of skills to do a comedy movie and and we talked about this before because like a lot of people can do drama or horror like you're emoting like fear or dread or seriousness but to have the skill set to do comedy that takes a very talented actor Mm -hmm. and you have Bruce Campbell as the figurehead of this franchise who can straddle those two lines of like being a serious actor while also knowing how to be comedic and emote comedy uh, to the camera. Like he can do that flawlessly. And that's what's missing with 2013 and Evil Dead Rise. Because like when you watch those movies, like they're good movies. They're fine. Mm -hmm. But like, like I said earlier, for it to be an Evil Dead movie, there's just something missing. Yeah, it's you missing know? the special sauce. They're taking the subject matter, because like you have the same set pieces. Necronomicon, chainsaw, shotgun, people in the cabin, group of friends. But like having it be so seriously taken, just something is lost in translation. Yeah, and what's surprising is that you have Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell as producers on both these movies. Yes. And yet it, it's just so dry compared to what they've done. Bruce Campbell's in 2013. Did you know that? 
Who did he play in that? He played himself. He was the after credits scene. Oh, that's so like right. full credits, and then right at the end, it's him rim lighting, kind of red, and he says "groovy." That's, that's it. it. <laughs> Were they setting up the the TV series? It was, was it, it was before. Or was it just the, a gag? It was before the TV series. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's put a pin in the TV series. Yeah. Um, but like. When I saw Evil Dead Rise, I was the only dope in the theater <laughs> waiting for like an end credit scene. Oh, I was like, there's no. an end credit scene for 2013. Surely oh, Bruce no. Campbell is going to be in this. There wasn't one. And I'm like, oh, Ooh. shit. Because like the cleaning crew came in. What a room. And they saw me, the only person in the theater, <laughs> almost like, you know, the, you know, the row that's in front of like the walk, uh, the gang walk. Yeah. Like with the bar, the metal bar in front of mm-hmm. me, that was me right in the middle. So in this hundred theater, hundred seat theater, oh, oh. I was the only one in there, in the front and center. And like clean crew came and they're like, oh, and then they like walk out, and I'm like, I'm waiting for this movie to be done. <laughs> Warner Brothers logo comes up. I was like, oh, oh shit. No. Uh, walk a shame out of there oh as they're waiting for me i had a a very different (laughs) theater experience what was your theater experience well like some of the people were like walking in front of the screen which was annoying but whatever during and then yeah and then like mostly just like right at the very beginning okay still finding their seats and then like sometimes whenever they would have like text come up on the screen like there were like portuguese subtitles and then like 25 minutes in, there's just like a voiceover of like a Brazilian man talking about something. And then, um, yeah, later (laughs) I pirated it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you pirated a bootleg. That was a cam. Yeah. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. God. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I haven't done that <laughs> in over 10 years. Oh, my God. Because I know better because I used to buy bootlegs. Oh, no. I'm sorry, government. <laughs> I used to buy bootlegs, and I bought this Rambo uh, bootleg, and it was on the side of the theater, oh. all the way on the side. This dude was hiding the camera, <laughs> so half the screen was covered. Oh, no. And... Yeah, so I saw... Mine wasn't that bad. I saw one quarter of Rambo. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you had a virtual um, theater experience. Yes. Did you put the Oculus Rift on for full experience <laughs> of this bootleg? No, I did not. Okay. But... That's the next step. Yeah, that's the next step. I'm I'm surprised that at, at some point... Uh, this has nothing, nothing to do with anything. Okay. But at some point... Um, <laughs> There is some talk about having VR be like part of any kind of live event experience. This is probably before uh, COVID ruined everything. But um, (laughs) there's talk about like, you know, if everybody's got an Oculus, you can like have a like one choice seat at like a sports game Mm -hmm. reserved. And instead of a person being there, you have like a 360 camera setup and they basically just like live stream or pre-record whatever um the view from that seat to whoever buys a ticket to view the event from their oculus at home and so theoretically you could sell 
hundreds of tickets for that one seat. And it would be like a virtual view of the event. Now, what if you have some jack off that's in front of the camera? Because like I've seen professionally shot concerts. Yeah. Now, this was like back in like, what was it, 2005? Um, where the venue is like recording the show and some dude is in front of one of the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah. you have like the show going to multi-camera production and then a guy is all of a sudden in front of the camera. <laughs> See his fat head. Yeah. But I think that's the way of the future because I was thinking like this whole Taylor Swift debacle that happened mm-hmm. where like people including me try getting tickets and you couldn't get tickets yeah because Ticketmaster dropped the ball and like now they're being scalped for like thousands of dollars yep i was like wait a minute why don't because people bring their high-end cell phones to these events anyways and they're recording yeah uh the concerts so why don't you have okay you can play you can pay a premium to be there Mm -hmm. or you can pay like 60 bucks and get like a professionally shot view of the concerts. Yeah. You know, that just, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you can make more money that way. Maybe if theaters start to really die out again, we'll, uh, we'll get virtual VR experiences on release day in Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) But Portuguese man talking over it. But going back to movies, I think the VR experience is the way of the future for film because like you could pay the premium and have the theater experience. We all know the theater experience. Yeah. If you see like a comedy, we don't really get comedy movies anymore, but like back in the day when we got comedy movies where you go opening weekend, full crowd, Mm -hmm. like the laughter is infectious. Yeah. And when you see a horror movie opening weekend, the screams sometimes are annoying. Most of the time are annoying, but sometimes like you feel the you know, you feel the energy of the crowd. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like, it's exciting. But if you, for whatever reason, can't go to the movie theater, you should have the option to put on the Oculus Rift and to have that theater experience of a huge screen that's uh, artificially given to me through the Oculus Rift. Mm -hmm. Because like, there's some movies that I I wish I could see again. For example, Dune and IMAX. I saw Dune... At the music box, mm-hmm. but I didn't see it in IMAX. I missed out on that experience because I just didn't have time to go to the movie theater. I should have the ability to put on the Oculus Rift and have an artificial IMAX screen in front of my face that shows the Dune or the Star Wars The Force Awakens in IMAX. We saw that in IMAX. Yeah. I think there's a way to do that. There might be an app that lets you just like play back movie files. Um, in like a virtual theater environment, but you are missing out on like the crowd reactions, yes. uh, which really makes it. And I don't know how you would do that after the fact. Maybe you can like set up microphones like on opening day and like, but then you have like the movie blaring over it. So like, that's not going to mix well. I don't know. I don't think that's something you can really replace easily. What I want, which is what red letter media does they put a lapel mic on Rich Evans <laughs> yeah. and get his reaction. Yeah. It's just him laughing <laughs> at what is supposed to be a serious moment. He's like, what? <laughs> was that the, the Man of Steel? Uh, was it Man of Steel? I think it was Man of Steel where they secretly <laughs> recorded. He's like, oh God, Superman's going to break his neck. <laughs> so somewhere oh on their servers, 
uh, there's a audio file, a full length <laughs> live reaction commentary by Rich Evans to Man of Steel. I would pay top dollar for that. <laughs> yep. Uh, but back to the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. That was quite a tangent. Yep. I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> God damn it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, when I saw the Evil Dead rise in theater, yeah, I was the only guy in there, and there was no post-credit scene uh, with Bruce Campbell. But, like, here's the thing, and I'm glad that you brought up 15 minutes ago <laughs> uh, Ash versus Evil Dead series, because, like, when you have a franchise, and this is how I approach every franchise, is like, it's a continuous story. Mm-hmm. It's a story being untold over multiple movies. We're big fans of Star Wars. We have this big storyline, this long-form story being told over shows, movies, over decades. And if you want to make The Evil Dead into a franchise, that's how I would approach the series. Like, okay, let's like have this story and let's unpack it over multiple movies. Mm -hmm. And that's what The Evil Dead originally did. Because you have Evil Dead 2, which rebooted. It was like a polished up, high-budget The Evil Dead. Yeah. And then it added in that awesome elements of like, oh, there's like this chosen one to defeat the evil, Ash Williams. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like Ash Williams. Yep. And he is transported back in time. And that's the ending of that movie. And he's like, no, I just want to go home. Yep. They're like, yeah, the savior is here. He's like, fuck, I don't want to be here. And then the next movie is in the Middle Ages. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Because now I'm following Ash Williams. So we have that idea in Ash versus the Evil Dead because, like, that is the true continuation of that Evil Dead series. Okay. Where it's in a TV show. And I watched the majority of season one when that came out. And at the time, I didn't watch Evil Dead 2 or The Army of Darkness. So I was a little bit out of the loop, mm-hmm. but I got the general gist of it and I still enjoyed it, anyways. But, like, that. And revisiting for this podcast, I was like, that is the true continuation of that Evil Dead. Because like you have Bruce Campbell as an aged Bruce Campbell that still works for S-Mart. <laughs> and he still has like the robotic hand. And yeah. now he's fighting the, the, the forces of darkness uh, with the Necronomicon. And it's like, this is how you approach the Evil Dead. Like, this is the true sequel to the Evil Dead. You have the guy that made it work, Bruce Campbell, and he's doing Evil Dead stuff. And what they're doing now with uh, Evil Dead 2013, Evil Dead Rises, they're doing this thing where it's like, okay, let's take it seriously. You could do that, but have a long form story to mm-hmm. go with it. Like, make this universe, this cinematic universe around the Book of the Dead. And I feel like they're doing that with Evil Dead Rise, but like, I just hope they go in that direction because I can easily see it be like, they're going to reboot it again. It's going to be in the cabin again in the next Evil Dead movie. And it's like, why don't you just like, you have the breadcrumbs in Evil Dead Rise of like this bigger story. And it's like, are they going to make the bold decision to go that direction? Or are they going to take the easy route, which is what they have been doing, is like take the little ingredients of an quote Evil Dead movie and then inject it into a modern movie. So are you saying that they should basically take like the Mad Max approach where you have like the same character show up in different movies under 
similar but different circumstances and there's not really that much continuity between the movies mm-hmm. um or are you saying like have it be like a long um story that unfolds over several movies uh kind of following the same character you can go either direction because like what mad max does is max is the vehicle for the story because like yeah. with fury road it's really furiosa's story mm-hmm. he's just we're with him. We're the audience. Like Mad Max is the audience and we're along. Like he's just the vehicle for the story. And with Evil Dead, you could do that with Ash Williams. Like he is the stand-in for the audience. He is the vehicle for the whatever story we want to tell with these Books of the Dead or the Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. Henrietta, whatever. You could do that. But I always yearn for more interesting, more complex stories yeah and i feel like you could do that with the evil dead if you're going to take it like beyond comedy and have it be a little bit serious you can do that and like it was like touching upon it uh in the evil dead rise because like you had those um which were my favorite parts um which were just exposition Mm -hmm. uh those uh vinyl playbacks and i was like this is setting up a larger story because like if if whoever is listening, I highly doubt it. But like, if you are a producer of the Evil Dead, I would set it in the 1920s. Mm. I would I would turn back the clock. It's like okay, now let's tell the story of that priest that yeah. found the Evil Dead books. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you could do that, or you can have a just just expand on the world of the Evil Dead, make it like a cinematic universe. Yeah, because um, when you say one approach is to have like a constantly unfolding story with Ash Williams as kind of like the centerpiece of it, but then have different uh, angles or perspectives mm-hmm. on different movies, um, I tend to agree, but I can see how that can become, let's just make the evil dead again and again and again in different and change some of the details, but it can kind of become samey. It gets to the point where it's like, because Robert Rodriguez did this with his Mexico trilogy, mm-hmm. um, with uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Desperado, and El Mariachi. They're the same fucking movie. Yeah. It's just with a higher and higher budget. And I really hope Sam Raimi isn't approaching the Evil Dead with that mindset, because after a while, it's like you can have like a $10 million, $100 million uh budget but the story is like we've done this before we've seen all this stuff before and now you're becoming creative creatively bankrupt on this idea because like you've done it every way to sunday Mm -hmm. do something new yeah and that was what was most surprising to me about 2013 and evil dead rise is that it felt like it was the marvel approach to making a movie stay with me here i'm with um by that, I mean Marvel has a track record of uh, finding successful directors, maybe up-and-coming directors, or in the case of Sam Raimi, an established one, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, come work for us, make a Marvel movie. And they do that, and their kind of own directorial voice is basically stamped out, and it becomes a Marvel movie. Sam Raimi should know this, because that's what happened with his. Um, there, There's moments where like his kind of vision and artistic style kind of poked through, 
but it was very much in the minority compared to the movie as a whole. Um, but that seems like what he's turning around and doing with these evil dead movies where it feels like he's finding these up and coming directors and saying, Hey, make an evil dead movie. What would be more interesting to me is if he found these directors and said, Hey, make your evil dead movie. You know, here's kind of like the, the, the basic paint colors, but make your own painting. And I think that might be a lot more interesting where you have kind of the tropes that everyone is familiar with and expects in an evil dead movie, mm -hmm. but it's not so such a narrow paint by numbers approach. Um, and instead just gives the directors the kind of creative freedom to tell the kind of story that they want to tell. Um, but in like an evil dead flavor. And I was, I was trying to think of a example of this that works really well, but I think part of the reason why evil dead rise didn't work for me was because it was trying to be an evil dead movie and there wasn't anything more to it that it was trying to be about. Um, like imagine if they like rebooted eraser head, but <laughs> imagine if they did that, but oh, they shit. took out, but they took out any kind of subtext about like the fears of being a father. And it was just like trying to hit all the same beats. Like that would be a terrible movie. Um, or, you know, they live is on, on its face, basically like an alien invasion kind of movie. Yes. But there's a lot more going on there as far as our relationship to capitalism and consumerism. Mm -hmm. um, the, the role that the media plays in directing our attention and kind of public conversation to different issues. There's a, there's a lot more going on. It's not just about aliens invading. It's about a lot of other things. Right. And evil dead rise doesn't feel like it's really about anything except evil dead. And, and yes. that, that would be fine if it was like a fun, entertaining adventure. Cause that's really all it, it, it doesn't need to be anything more than that. That's basically army of darkness. Mm -hmm. It's not anything more than just like a fun, entertaining romp. Um, and, and Bruce Campbell, really makes that work as he's kind of the center, the centerpiece of that. But uh, when you don't have that and you're just trying to emulate an evil dead movie, then it's like, what else is there? The movie looks fantastic. There's lots of great uh, mixture of practical and CGI effects. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a single shot in this movie that looks bad, but to what purpose to make a, another evil dead movie? I don't know. I, I wish there was something more there to to chew on than just trying to emulate what's come before. Yeah, it's I liked your analogy with paint by numbers because like you have here's the thing. If Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and I forget what the producer's name is, but like it's those three that are involved mm. with all of these uh, subsequent uh, sequels. If they were like, okay, here's the ingredients, chainsaw, book of the dead, shotgun, uh, Sam Raimi's car, <laughs> a Buick, uh, deadites. Okay. So you have your five ingredients. You could do a lot with that. Yeah. Because like, if you think of actual baking recipes, flour, eggs, milk, mm -hmm. sugar, salt, like those are the basic ingredients for a lot of different dishes. Yeah. Radically different dishes. So like if you were to take that mindset of like, okay, these are the core things I need for a quote evil dead movie, but have it set in 
1930s England or like uh, or the far future or the far past or mm-hmm. like you can do a lot with those ingredients and tell an interesting story and you would think that would work with Evil Dead Rise because like they simply changed the setting. Yeah. And I do applaud it for being different. I applaud it for being different. But was it different enough? It felt like honestly like what I hate about these fucking movies is like they feel so generic. Mhm. It feels like an insidious movie. It feels yeah. like a conjuring movie. It doesn't feel like an evil dead movie. And I don't know if it's they're being suppressed creatively these these up and coming directors um by Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell but there seems to be something going on where they're making them generic on purpose and mm. I don't know why you know what i mean yeah something can even like what came to mind is there's almost enough here to make a really interesting evil dead movie because uh we didn't even talk about the characters for this movie because honestly they're kind of like placeholders i feel Uh, like they're more interesting than 2013 because 2013 was a serious version of the cast of the evil dead mm -hmm. 1981 and it's like okay we have like it's interesting because they they changed the context where it's like they're trying to detox the main character, Mia. Yeah. And there's a nice parallel between demon possession and drug addiction. It's like, yeah, okay, I like that. I get it. But there's something lost with taking it too seriously and yet calling it the evil dead, you know, where the yeah. previous film was wacky and campy. And it's like, okay, it's like the same movie, but serious it's like something's lost and then i'm not opposed to making it serious but if you're going to take away the wacky humor of it then what are you putting in its place um because you can absolutely tell a a very grounded serious evil dead movie it's going to be different but that's kind of the point um my point is like they almost had something here with the characters they had um ellie i think is the mom character and it's a it's a nice little alt family because like she's like a tattoo artist and Fuck yeah. uh, her, her her son is uh, into like DJing and uh, like one of her daughters is uh, like a like an activist. She's like, I'm going to protest at the Labor Day pro- protest tomorrow. Um, but then I, she's making a sign that's like save the earth. I'm like, I really liked her sign. <laughs> it was make the earth, earth cool, cool again, again. <laughs> yeah i was like oh that's that's clever i like that <laughs> yeah that that's that's fine so you have like the 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 basic ingredients of a personality for these characters and then her sister um oh god it's a b name but like her daughter's bridget um anyway her her, her bo bo is afraid bo sure <laughs> why not um her her sister, who's like the protagonist of the movie, kind of the final girl, um, yes. you know, she is a guitar technician for either a nearby venue or like a nearby van, uh, band. And uh, they set this up right at the beginning that she's taking like a pregnancy test. Yes. And she tests positive. Yes. And that doesn't really come up much in the movie, except like towards the end where um, the possessed Allie is like, you know, I'm gonna swallow your soul, and then she like detects like the fetal heartbeat, and she's like two souls, and it's like 
I don't know. You could have done something with the movie where the kind of evil apparitions that appear and like the evil that happens could relate to like the anxiety of being a mom when, you know, you don't have yes. anyone else to help support you. Um, you know, she reveals that she's trying to like make it in the music world as a, as a guitar technician and as a woman and like that never really comes up again. So, um, I, I don't know. There's plenty that you can do with that to kind of explore those themes, but still have enough of an evil dead flavor to it that I felt like was a big missed opportunity. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, that didn't really go anywhere. And I thought it would pay off somehow. Because like that's like one of the establishing shots of this character is like, She's in this punk rock bar or a venue yeah. and she's taking a pregnancy test in this filthy bathroom yes. covered in graffiti. Yeah. It's like you have this juxtaposition of like, we've been to those punk bars Yeah, and I've been to punk bars where like I walk in and there's a stall with no door, <laughs> dude taking a shit and I'm like, yep. nope, I'm coming back. <laughs> She's taking pregnancy tests in that environment. And it's like, there's this juxtaposition because like you, you would think like, okay, she is trying to have a baby. She wants it to be in this like loving environment, but she's in this place where that act shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. If you're at like a bar or a venue, you're not going to be taking a pregnancy test. Yeah. You're going to do that at home. So it's like, okay. Like what's going okay, so that's an interesting development character study into this, and then it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean they make mention of it at some points, like that she's um, like a quote groupie. I'm not a groupie, a I'm a guitar whore. tech. <laughs> yeah. Um so like it, it's not like it it's completely wasted, but um why have the horror element there? Um if it's not going to be integrated with the character's story and their development. It, it felt like a accessory instead of what could have been part of the main thrust of the movie. Dare I say, is it a cheap way for the audience to side with this character? It's like, Oh, I oh know yeah. What it, that it, feels. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I humanize with a, you a, a moment of vulnerability. Yes. Um, sure. Uh, it's a shortcut didn't quite work because like towards the end when you know the, she's like shoving this monstrosity into the wood chipper like i didn't feel anything <laughs> yeah i wasn't even like cheering her on or anything i'm like 
Okay. That's how the movie ends. How is the crowd reacting in your bootleg? <laughs> uh, they were pretty quiet. Oh, Dios mio! <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, were, there were some moments when they you, you could hear them reacting. Uh, some of the some of the moments of violence. Um, I'm trying to think what what was like the loudest one. Um, the impalement. No, it wasn't that one. It was something else. Um, it might have been when she was like in the elevator and getting like strung up like seven different ways by a bunch of different cables. Which is also a uh, baking ingredient mm. for an Evil Dead movie because every single Evil Dead since the beginning and for the longest time, I just knew of the first movie where. She gets uh, assaulted by a tree. Oh, yeah. All the vines and the roots. And Sam Raimi was like, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but we are going to have the tree attack people. Yeah. And with this, with the elevator, with the, la- with the latest one, I was like, you know, all right, that's different. <laughs> Same thing, different context. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was fine. Um. That actress, by the way, did the heaviest of lifting. Oh yeah, for this film, she's carrying the movie on her shoulders. She was fantastic. Yeah, she was pretty good. Like, there was a lot of. Um, I couldn't believe how she, how good she was. Yeah, there was a lot of switching back and forth between like this kind of evil presence and trying to like appeal to her kids by like basically pleading as her mother, as their mother. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, there there were moments when um, I felt like that particularly worked. And then there were other ones where I'm like, there ain't no way this is, this is going to work. Like when she's trying to get her daughter to like undeadbolt the door. I'm like, this kid's too stupid to live. <laughs> okay, mommy. <laughs> yeah, and then like 10 minutes later, she's like, you're not my mommy anymore. Yeah. You didn't figure this out? <laughs> I would have figured that out a long, long time ago. Uh, what, what did you think about the wraparound story with those uh, teens in the cabin at the beginning? Okay. <laughs> um, this is what I felt. So, like, the beginning of The Evil Dead Rises, we have that, which is also a, a baking ingredient for The Evil Dead, mm-hmm. where we have that intro shots of, like, uh, this camera going over a swamp, and we have that again with the Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. And it goes to a lake and it's subverted because like it's a drone. And yep. I was like, oh, okay. Different. Mm-hmm. Familiar yet different. Interesting. And the house, the cabin that they're in. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Aaron. Have you seen Midsummer? Yes. I got Midsummer A twenty four vibes. Because of the A frame yes. cabin. Yeah. I was like, okay, or okay, it's a cabin, mm-hmm. but a, a bougie cabin. Yeah. A more Scandinavian created cabin. Mm-hmm. And the wraparound overall with like people in the cabin, the demonic possession in the cabin being the bookends of the film, I feel like, I hate to say it. It's a cheap way of like making it a quote evil dead movie because like, yeah, what happens in all the damn evil dead movies? They're in a cabin. Mm-hmm. There's a demon. They all die. And with this film, even though it's primarily set in quotes, Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. 
we're bookending the film in a cabin in the woods and it's like oh we can't even escape the cabin no this felt like a studio note this felt like making an evil dead movie where's the cabin in the woods gotta have the cabin in the woods (laughs) yeah they they have like a, a a short epilogue at the end of the movie where this lady who lives in the apartment, who has apparently not heard anything untoward happening. Because she's on level two. Yeah. All the action was on level nine or something. Yeah, except for the elevator just opening up at the bottom filled with blood. <laughs> she apparently just, like, didn't notice that. The shining. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this movie gives The Shining a run for its money. Um, She apparently didn't notice that. She, she was sleeping. Just, Unaware, she didn't know. Uh, goes off to this camping trip that had previously been planned, or maybe she was. I assume it was Friday night, or maybe Saturday night. She was partying mm. in oh. Los Angeles. Oh. Maybe she went to the comedy store, <laughs> saw a show, yeah. came back home after all the hauntings have concluded. <laughs> yeah, and didn't I, notice all the blood everywhere. Yeah, I don't buy it. That felt <laughs> like a like a studio note. Like you got to put this in there. Um. So yeah, that uh, also, um, this was a, this was a New Zealand film. Uh, they filmed in New Zealand with New Zealand actors Yes, and you could tell because when they have that A-frame cabin at the beginning, they got these like almost sequoia looking like tropical trees. It's like, right. Those aren't in America anywhere. No, no, they're <laughs> and, not. And, um, the American accents were like mostly good except for like, um, Oh, what was the line? Um, I want to ask you Mommy's about that. Mommy's with the maggots now. <laughs> I want to ask you about that. Because for me, I don't notice accents. Mm-hmm. Because I just discovered this. <laughs> I'm in my fucking 30s. <laughs> yeah. And like, as long as you're speaking English, mm-hmm. pretty good diction, I don't detect the accent unless it's like super thick and it's like whoa you're from you're not from here with their accents i never noticed they were foreign i i have an ear for it um most of the time they're pretty good um but like the kids especially kind of like gave it away especially when they're like shouting something um it kind of gets like this um and when the mom is like in the bathtub and she's like mommy's with the maggots now it comes through a little bit does it sound like Northern American, like Minnesota? Uh, no, it's kind of like a mix of like Midwest and like uh, a little bit of California accent. Maybe that's why I didn't notice. Yeah. Because it's like, you sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They kind of picked like a centralized uh, American accent. So mm. that's probably why. Um okay. But, you know, they, they, they did their homework. They put in, like, an L.A. skyline in a couple of shots. They have California license plates. But uh, <laughs> there's no fooling us with those trees. That's true. <laughs> yeah, the trees are very distinct. Yeah. I bring up the accents because, like, your parents are American. Mm-hmm. Born in America. Yep. My father is Middle not, America. My father's not American. Okay. So I grew up hearing Amer- English spoken from someone that's not American. Interesting. So that's why I don't hear the accents. I mean, the the closest approximation I had to that is I have a lot of family uh, up in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, and some of them have quite thick accents. Oh, um, we know in Chicago. 
like they they uh you betcha they they don't put things in a bag they put them in a big yes they don't they don't eat a bagel for breakfast they eat a bagel no they don't yes they do oh my god <laughs> um they say egg and uh part of the biggest difference is like my my dad kind of has a blend of like a milwaukee and like a chicago accent um and but like he i always remember remember this like uh one day we were we were like coming home from school or something like that and he told us that if we ever needed like some water or whatever we could just go to the bubbler and we're like what the fuck are you talking about this bubbler nonsense it's a bubbler a bubbler is what they call a water fountain <laughs> it's a very milwaukee way to say a water fountain what and there's other stuff like they they call yard sales rummage sales oh my god yeah <laughs> so maybe i had like some exposure to like different accents growing up but i don't know i can i can't always place an accent but i can always tell like hey there's something going on um like you, you ever watched the goosebumps tv show i've seen a few episodes yeah they're um that's a canadian produced show so really yeah they they mostly sound like us but there's always like a few moments where i'm like that doesn't sound right like what's going on you see with more modern shows i like notice if it's a canadian production if i see mm-hmm. certain actors and i'm like bunch hold. of bunch of french last names and credits <laughs> i'm like hold up <laughs> i know that guy from yeah. another show okay that's also filmed in toronto yeah and it's like oh this is a canadian production mm. it's really it's like you can like fool most people but like it's just like the BBC. They have like 10 actors. Yeah. And they just reuse them in every single production. It's like, oh, this is Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I don't go up to Milwaukee much just for Summerfest. Mm-hmm. But oh my God. That's enough. Bubbler. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I, have, I have a soft spot for Milwaukee for obvious reasons. Um, Rich but... Evans? <laughs> Mostly Rich Evans. I had a coworker. She was like, oh, I used to, I used to live in Milwaukee. I was like, do you know Rich Evans? She's like, who? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a New Zealand production, um, which is why they wisely stay indoors most of the time. <laughs> They're not trying to film on location in LA. But um, uh, you know what? I, I will give credit to this movie and maybe we can talk about this as maybe we could talk about this as it relates to movies as a whole, but I'm starting to see a trend of a return to kind of mid-budget movies, and I think this one absolutely qualifies. So I, that aspect of it, I really applaud. It's a mid-budget movie. It's ninety minutes. Get in and get out. Yes. Um, we need we need more of those. I agree. I think we've both been wanting this for a while because, like, for the longest time, like the the movies in the theater were like for the longest time. A hundred million dollars budget. And it's like, instead of, okay, listen, studio, instead of like having one, a hundred million dollar budget movie, have like $10 million budget movies or $10 million budget movies. Mm -hmm. And like, you would like get a bigger return on your investment because like you're spending less on these films and yet you're going to make up more money by having people go to these the movie theaters and spend money and see these movies, you're going to make back your budget and even more so. You're going to make money off of these all these movies. So it's like, I just don't understand why 
they don't want to make those decisions in making films. You know what I think ruined it? What? I think it was Titanic. <laughs> because oh, up until this park <laughs> up until that point um because i was thinking like th- that used to be a strategy of hollywood where you would have like a cheap movie canon films or like roger corman where you'd have these like yes very cheaply made um movies but they would like they'd actually give an effort and they'd put the money in the right place mm-hmm. and it would usually be like a ripoff of like a more successful movie but it would do just enough it would do just well enough to cover the cost, make a small profit, and then you move on to the next one. Where nowadays the strategy seems to be everybody's trying to, uh, it's almost like gambling, where they want to pick the right movie with the right bankable IP that they dump $300 million of production budget into, then another $300 million of advertising into. And then they, they're hoping for that big movie to take off and make a billion and a half dollars. And that will fund their studio for the rest of the year. And I think that started because of the runaway success of Titanic. Because um, I can't recall the budget uh, of that movie off the top of my head, but I'm sh- I-, I would I would wager there would probably be around like eighty to a hundred million easily, like nineteen nineties money, maybe more easily. And it made many, many more times that. Because it was in theaters for over a year. Yeah. People couldn't get enough of that movie. Because we have Titanic. It's about Titanic. Yeah. One of the most interesting events in human history of the last over 100 years because like... I wouldn't go that far. Yes. It's 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 a a, tragedy. It's an unlikely success for a blockbuster movie because it's it's a period piece about a shipwreck and like a romance. And... But it's more than that, man. It is. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad movie whatsoever. It has Jack Dawson in it <laughs> and Rose. Yeah, you just don't understand. Listen, Titanic f- checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. We have an interesting storyline. Which okay, listen. I don't know about you. <laughs> I was obsessed with Titanic after yeah. watching that film. Yes, seems like everybody was. Everybody was because like I was a little kid, little kid. I was a boy. I cared about the ship. And the oh, shipwreck. Really? Yes. I was like, I couldn't get enough. Not tits. Of, you know what? When I saw that, my parents were like, oh, should we show, should we show our kids <laughs> this? And it's like, I care. I, it, it went over my head, apparently. Really? I, I, I wasn't fixated on, uh, what was her name? Rose McGowan? Kate Winslet? Yes. <laughs> Rose is the name of her character. <laughs> Kate Winslet, Rose McGowan. <laughs> It's like the same person. We yeah, haven't seen not? him in the same room together. Anyways, I wasn't fixated on her tits, even though I was aware that they were there. I just didn't notice them huh. because I cared about the ship, the shipwreck, the sinking. Really? And as I age, as I got older, I was like, oh, there's like love story. We have, uh, what was that guy's name? The dude. Jack Dawson? Not the other guy. Oh, um, Cal, yes. What was his? What was the actor's name? Oh, Pierce Brosnan. It was not Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Anyways, what the fuck are you talking about? The, the, the fucking guy. <laughs> we got Leo. We got oh, Kate. Billy. Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, we got Billy Zane oh abusing uh, Kate Winslet's character. 
And it's like, okay, there's this like interesting story. So like it checked all the boxes. We uh, draw in kids because it's like, oh, like disaster movie. And then we draw in the adults like, oh, love story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we draw in everybody else. It's like, oh my God, this is a spectacle to watch. So it's like, Every it, this was a movie for everybody. Yeah, we get all the Canadians with Celine Dion. <laughs> yes. There's a there's a clever man that James Cameron, and he's been milking that ever since. <laughs> Did you see Avatar: The Way of the Water? No, there was a shipwreck. Oh my god! And I was getting Titanic vibes. <laughs> there's a Couldn't ship. Leave well enough alone. There's a ship capsized. It was filling up with water. They're trying to escape out of the was ship. Was it the water Mexicans? <laughs> It was the water blue people. Oh, my God. And I was like, I've seen this movie before, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. My, so my point being, like, that, at least in recent memory, seems to be, like, the runaway success movie that put us on this path of huge gambles with movies that pay off in huge dividends. Um, Marvel kind of tweaked that formula with... The idea of like a franchise mm-hmm. of interconnected movies yep. uh, and Endgame. I don't think we're ever going to surpass that as far as these these kind of huge um, moments of cinematic history. And so I'm like, why? Why would you try to do the same thing with Evil Dead <laughs> when it seems like so opposite that? <laughs> The original Evil Dead was made for like oh my god a hundred bucks and yes. you know shot on shot in a weekend yeah and they're 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 making that that uh, evil spirit flying through the wood shot where they just screwed a camera onto a plank of wood and had two people kind of running <laughs> running carrying it between them and it's like why would you try to make this into a franchise I don't know. It doesn't make you, sense to me. You do know money. Money. Yeah. It's like that it's like that crusty crab meme. <laughs> Mr. Krabs, why are you making Evil Dead rise? Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I get it and you know, it's nice to have really well-done cinematography and special effects. Um the the half in the bag on this episode, they were or on this movie, they were talking about how this looks like a really good sizzle reel for a director and a cinematographer. Yes. And yeah, it looks like a really nice tech demo for filmmaking. It was a really nicely shot movie. Yeah. I was very surprised. Um, there's not much else here. So all sizzle, no substance. Yeah. Yeah. I Although even like style over substance can lead to really good filmmaking. Um, like the Coen brothers are really great for this, where they have a particular style in the way that they tell their stories that is more interesting in a lot of ways than the stories themselves. Um, that's not the point. They're you go to the movie theater to be given an experience and they're really good at giving you those kinds of experiences. Yes. Um so I, I um I don't I don't see style over substance as a as a criticism um but per se, but there has to be some kind of substance underneath. And I don't think Evil Dead Rise has that. Dare I say did it fool me. I think it fooled me. It fooled you? Because like it was different enough. But like if you really dig deeper, there's not a whole lot there. No. Because like we have 30 minutes of setup for this family. And we do, we learn that 
the daughter is estranged from the mother, essentially. And then we learn a little bit about the mother and her kids. But, like, really? If it's like, okay, who are these characters? And it's like, other than, like, the surface-level stuff, I can't really say much. Yeah. And that's not good writing. No. And speaking of James Cameron, when you said that, I started thinking of Aliens. Because we have a, a horror premise where it's a bunch of Marines against a bunch of aliens. Mm-hmm. And that's all it could have been. But we have this kind of emotional center of the movie with Ripley and Newt. Yes. And Ripley having recovered from cryosleep and everybody that she ever knew in her life is now dead. Uh, you know, she's looking for some kind of connection, finds it in Newt. And we have this kind of surrogate mother daughter relationship and it's actually weirdly paralleled by the alien queen and all the aliens um where you have kind of like a negative twisted version of that so even in that movie where they're not really spending a ton of time on character development it's done in just the right doses at just the right time that it enriches the kind of surface level conflict that's already there i feel like evil dead rise really needed something like that it's like there's like an attempt they have some kind of setup with uh these characters and their situations and their dynamics and how they relate but then that just kind of stops there's 70 minutes of horror in between and then it doesn't even really pick up after that so yeah hugely missed opportunity in my book yeah i feel I don't know. I feel like it was its own thing. And this is what I feel. I feel like a filmmaker, I forget who made this movie, but like whoever made this movie was like, okay, this is my movie. And then Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell came in and were like, hey, do you want to make it an Evil Dead movie? Mm. And they came in like Salt Bay and was like, here we go. Let me just <laughs> sprinkle in my ingredients. Bam! It's an Evil Dead movie. Hmm. What kind of movie do you think it was before that? Just like a Conjuring ripoff where it's in an apartment building and they, there's like haunted demons. They get possessed and mm-hmm. attack on base. We have to fight off the demons. It's like, why don't we make an Evil Dead movie? Okay. That's one theory. Or maybe more realistically, it was, let's make another Evil Dead movie. Let's do something a little bit different. Let's yeah. set it in L.A., in an apartment. Oh, that's too different. <laughs> we have to put it in a cabin. Yeah. It leads to the cabin. Yeah. Not not sure whose idea was that. Uh, I want to give the benefit benefit <laughs> of the doubt to like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, but... I don't know. Maybe they lost their edge. Although you say the Ash vs. Evil Dead series is really good. Yes. I loved it. It's amazing. What do you want to know? I guess, like, what was different that was... What was successful about that series that you're not finding in this movie? Two things. Uh, There's still a humor element. Like, even though the stakes are real and the, the enemy is to be feared, there's still a... 
lighthearted nature to it. And it's mostly on Ash's side, uh, Bruce Campbell's side. Um, but more importantly, lore. Okay. Like <clears throat> whatever elements that are explored in Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, they are unpacked in uh the Evil Ash versus the Evil Dead. Okay. Like it's it's like, okay, what you liked in those movies, let's explain a little bit more and have a, like an actual continuation of those uh thread lines. Gotcha. So the show basically gave those ideas room to breathe? Yes. Okay. And what that would look like. Because what we get with Evil Dead 2013 and Evil Dead Rise is a rehash. It's kind of like, imagine, if you will, in the Star Wars universe, if we remade um, Star Wars, A New Hope, over and over again. Mm -hmm. All those story beats over and over again. Luke has to join the Rebellion, destroy the Death Star, Old Sage dies on Death Star. Mm -hmm. Imagine that over three different movies, three different ways of showing that. Okay. Instead of having The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, and Last Jedi prequels. Yeah. Which expand on that storyline. But... Evil Dead 2013 is like, okay, let's redo the same thing. While Ash vs. Evil Dead is like, okay, let's have it breathe and expand. And what does that mean for the story? I got to thinking while watching this movie, like, this feels really similar to uh, the new Hellraiser. Because we were we were talking about that. And the, uh, the quote orgy yeah in the <laughs> yeah and um that reboot of hellraiser felt like it was giving it a new coat of paint to a new generation that may not be familiar with hellraiser but uh just felt like it was missing that certain something and that feels like what's happening with 2013 evil dead and evil dead rise um where it's, it's evil dead for gen z yeah it's <laughs> a new new coat of paint for this movie for a new generation. Um, and it's a shame that's not anything more than that. You can do that. You can have like, okay, let's reintroduce this storyline, but then do something different. Mm-hmm. And evil dead rises kind of do, does that. But then I don't know. Let's talk about the future of this franchise. Yes. Because like, I feel like evil dead rise is a step in the right direction. Because it's like, okay, if you really want to make this into a franchise, if you really want to make Evil Dead a thing, like Scream or Halloween, Friday the 13th, The Conjuring, Annabelle, for God's sakes, like, you need to expand on the story. And I think the starting point is there. I just hope that they actually expand on the lore instead of like, okay, we have Evil Dead Rise, which did well successfully uh, mm-hmm. in the box office. Okay. So we we should have a sequel, but is it going to be the same fucking thing where we're in a cabin, the Book of the Dead, or is it going to be something different where that expands on the, the world of the Evil Dead? Mm-hmm. I like the, the angle that it took by 
instead of like it being tapes, it was like old, like 78 records yes. and good attention to detail. Cause the, uh, DJ turntable that he had only had 33 and 45 RPM and he had to like spin it faster to get it up to 78. Yes. Um, which is the speed of the records at that time, which I've been there. I've bought over a hundred year old records, yeah. with, which are heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like you kill someone with these things. Yeah. I was like, hey, put on my turntable. records. And it didn't work. Oh. It was either too fast or too slow. Damn. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so then I looked up other turntables. They still make them. Yeah. I think 100 RPM. Oh. I didn't want to buy it. I mean, at that point, you're almost at, like, Edison's wax cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I like that angle that they took where they're taking what you're familiar with, these kind of, like, audio logs of the Necronomicon, Put a new spin on them, no pun intended, um, <laughs> with the with these records. I, I feel like if they go that direction, then um, that leaves some more room for something more interesting to be to be done. Yes. But it, it comes back to like, what kind of story are you telling? What what are you trying to saying? What is it about? Um, they decided to set it in an apartment. Okay, that's a new setting. But what is the horror in that situation? Is it and there? There's a lot of concessions that they have to make in order to basically cut off everybody from the outside. There's a huge earthquake. It cuts off cell tower service. Cuts off electricity. It's like okay, like the elevator barely works until it does. Um, but what is the horror of living in an apartment? I don't think you're going to have a bunch of neighbors come out in the hallway and try to help each other. <laughs> Everybody's going to be super paranoid and cut each other off and isolate. And I see that more. I see that happening more yes. than what happened in this movie. Um, Cause imagine if this happened at your place, mm-hmm. there's horror happening outside of your door. Yep. What are you going to do? Lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to pretend like you're not home right now. Yeah. Hunker down in the bathroom. <laughs> probably the best I can do. Um, and, and I'm thinking of uh, a movie like The Mist, where Ooh. um, you have the setup where it's this weird kind of scientific experiment that opens up a dimensional rift, brings in these horrible creatures, and like that's what on the surface the movie's about. Mm-hmm. But a layer deeper, it's about uh, how humans kind of turn on each other in moments of crisis yes um the kind of chaos and distrust and the way that society collapse collapses Mm -hmm. uh under the right circumstances and what do we do about that there's a lot more underneath the the surface and that's why it's set in a small um kind of small town environment Mm -hmm. where on the surface everybody knows everybody else everybody uh says hi hello they're polite they're trustful Yes. Um, until things go wrong and that's when everything kind of falls apart we see that happening um, the, the real monster of the mist are not the monsters that appear on screen and eat people and it's the people themselves not that every horror movie has to be like that but um, if you're going to change the setting of say Evil Dead then have a purpose behind that have that be a way to explore a new angle of what could happen with an Evil Dead story Instead of arranging the arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. 
I would I would take it even further. If I were to remake the Evil Dead for today's audience, I would go the A twenty four routes. Where okay, you could set it in an apartment, but like have it be the horror of like uh for example, like motherhood and like grieving uh the the loss of your innocence and then reconciling the fact that you're not living for yourself anymore, you're living with for uh, someone else, your child, and that's mm-hmm. where the evil dead comes from. Yeah. That is the A24 yeah. approach to this. But they're not going to go that route. They're not going to go artsy with it. No. They're not going to go serious with it. They're going to go for... This is Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. being executive producers. Like, listen, <laughs> we need some. Uh, we need some blood raining from the sky. Yep. We need some chainsaws. We need some unimaginable horror of indescribable nature. Because that's what we got in 2013 and uh, Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of having like a fucked up possessed kid. Um, here, here's my idea. You don't want the internal thoughts of well, your maker. <laughs> here's my idea. So a huge theme of Evil Dead is it is the reading of the Necronomicon and being too curious for your own good that unleashes this evil. Yes. So let's run with that. We'll keep it in LA. Why not? Mm-hmm. We'll set it in like 1930s, 1920s, make it a, a noir film. And we have this detective who is looking into this case of several missing people. Uh, this kind of like horrible murders that seem to be happening without any kind of logical, logical explanation. And he has to dig deep. He has to dig deeper further into the truth. Um, and he comes across this book, which seems to be at the centerpiece of it all. And his fatal flaw is that as a detective, he has to keep probing, has to keep digging. He doesn't know when to leave well enough alone. And that's when we start getting crossover into movies like LA confidential or, Chinatown, where especially as film noir, you're entering into this world that you don't understand and that you're not yes. well equipped for. Um, and it's basically up to your wits to figure out, like, who can you trust? Who can you not trust? And have that repeated with uh, this detective character who unleashes evil. And suddenly the people that he thought that he could trust. Oops, they're deadites. Um, and he has to use his wits and his cunning to kind of figure out what's going on and how to put a stop to this. That's an example of like an Evil Dead story told in a very completely different setting, and it's about something. Yeah. It seems like you want, which is what I want as well, the Evil Dead to turn towards a more Lovecraftian horror. Because that's essentially Lovecraft. It's definitely got those elements in the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one angle I thought of to focus on that kind of... And it works. Um, it feels like a yeah, that, that evil hor- dead. The horror movie. of the unknown, this thing you don't understand, and yet you can't keep yourself from prying further. That's certainly one angle, but there's a lot of different angles you can you can take with an evil dead flavor story. Uh it, it is just a shame that they seem to have only grasped onto the surface elements of that for this movie. It's because it's something that they're familiar with, and there's comfort and familiarity. Yeah. Because it's like it's different enough, but we also have those familiar elements 
to make it a quote Evil Dead movie. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what? You can expand this franchise to be so much more than it is, and you can actually be expanding it to something even more successful than it ever was mm-hmm. if you take risks. But they don't want to take risks. Yeah. They're afraid to. Aaron, are you ready to get off the fence on a few questions? Let's get off the fence. It's not comfortable sitting up here. (laughs) Digging into my ass. So my first question is, do you see the Evil Dead becoming a successful franchise like Scream or Halloween, given their track record so far? It's unclear because, like, that's what they want. I think it was... Either Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell in an interview said like they want to crank one of these out every like two, three years. But the last one they had was 10 years ago. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on that. I don't know what's going on. They can't keep producing these consistently. But so I have my doubts. Um, Will they do it? Remains to be seen. But um, if they're going to try, then. You know, I would hope that they would take one of the routes that we suggested, either having this connected story or um, use those elements to make these movies by these up and coming directors with their individual voices and tastes and telling the kind of story that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in an evil dead way, I think that's probably the best way to go. Um, it doesn't. I, I mean, we have a sample size of two, but it doesn't seem that they're going that route. Yeah, you know, I want it to be a successful franchise, like Scream or Halloween, but I think there are things preventing it from happening, Mm -hmm. and I think one of them is being consistent with the story and actually making risks, because they don't want to make risks. Yeah. They just want to remake the Evil Dead over and over again whether it's in a cabin or LA or New York or Chicago, who knows, but they just don't want to make risks on the actual story being told about the characters involved with the evil dead. You can do an anthology series where it's like surrounding the Necronomicon or like build a world like Lovecraft where it's like, Oh, there are these evil entities and eldritch gods and horrors beyond our realm. Mm -hmm. You could do that. And Sam Raimi, I know, can actually flesh that out. But at this point, it hasn't been done. And I don't think it's going to be done. Yeah. I almost wonder if they could expand on it like, uh, like John Wick managed to do with its world building. Uh, the first movie is very a very simple and direct story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a revenge story about this uh, retired hitman brought out of retirement. And uh, in the second movie, they expand that further by um, expanding on elements that they had in the first movie to introduce like there's this whole like the council kind of overseeing this whole organization that kind of has its uh, fingers in all aspects of society. Then by the third one, he is excommunicado and he has an entire society kind of like turned against him by the fourth one. um, He's able to uh, finally navigate that and kind of against all odds, put an end to it. So um, 
that's one way where you can take a relatively simple concept like we find in the original Evil Dead and just expand on it in successful layers until you have this wholly fledged out world. And it seems like they haven't taken that direction. Maybe like the most the most that they've kind of went in that direction was with Army of Darkness, where you have this kind of time travel element and um the, this this whole idea of this evil persisting throughout time and also able to uh hop from different places and and time periods i'm kind of surprised they haven't expanded on that it seems they've kind of regressed from that so uh i don't know that might be a way to do it i think that is the way to do it i just hope whoever is going to be creatively involved with this evil dead franchise moving forward because it's clear that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are taking the back seats. Mm-hmm. They're just they're being executive producers. They're yeah. being the stakeholders. It's like, do I like this? Or do I not like this? And you know what? I don't blame them one second for just wanting to get a paycheck <laughs> for all the work that they've done and all the hell that they've been through. I don't blame them, but that's not necessarily what leads to the best movie. Yes. You're not going to make the best product if you're just going to be holding everybody back. Yeah. It's like, let's creativity, you know, run wild because mm-hmm. that's where you get like the good stuff. Exactly. All right. So my next question is which film best represents the evil dead franchise? I would say probably evil dead Two, because the, like the first one is very, um, rapey. Yes. Um, <laughs> The first one is very uh, kind of rough and tumble indie filmmaking at its best. So yes. if that's like your thing, you're going to like that the most. Um, Evil Dead Evil Dead 2 is basically the opportunity for them to do the same thing, but with a bigger budget um, and more support. And that is where I feel like their efforts really thrive. And that's kind of where we get at like the core of the Evil Dead experience. Um, Army of Darkness is arguably better in terms of filmmaking ability and the the kind of humor and tone and the story that they're going for. Um, but it also represents like a departure from the norm. Uh, so if you want just like core evil dead experience, I would say evil dead too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, these new movies don't have that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think evil dead too is definitely the best representation of this franchise because like that is like, so I feel like the Evil Dead 1981 is like the proto Evil Dead. It's like this is my idea, mm-hmm. and then someone was like, "Here's some more money, Sam Raimi. Let's do the Evil Dead for real." Yeah, and that that's what it was uh, with the Evil Dead too, because like it was the Evil Dead with a higher budget and a little bit more story mm-hmm. added to it, with like the whole like time traveling and. Uh, Ash Williams character being like this hero through time and it's like okay it's like you can you could tell that was Sam Raimi's it's like okay I have the ability to tell the whole story and that was the whole story Mm -hmm. and then with the subsequent sequels like Army of Darkness felt like a true sequel like a, a fun fantasy adventure dark comedy movie and then after that it was just rehashing Evil Dead 2 over and over again. Yeah. So it's like, just watch Evil Dead 2. That's the best representation in my eyes. 
So, Aaron, which one of the Evil Dead movies would you recommend to a friend? If we were just going to, like, hang out on the couch, have a few brewskis, throw on some Evil Dead, yeah, I'd probably pick Army of Darkness. Um, that's more of a fun uh, kind of adventure, entertaining time, I feel, uh, compared to Evil Dead 2. Um, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Depends on the friend. If they're like a, like a horror movie freak, mm-hmm. like you and I, um, might throw on Evil Dead too. Um but yeah, I think the one I would most kind of recommend would be Army of Darkness, even if I have to like catch him up a little bit. But even in the beginning of Army of Darkness, there's like that last time on oh, the Evil Dead. Oh, that's right. And that's it like right. recaps a good portion of the Evil Dead too. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, I think I would be in the same boat. I would definitely recommend like, okay, well, actually. If it was someone that hasn't seen Evil Dead, I'd be like, watch Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to see more, if it tickles your fancy, yep. see see the Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And then stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you want to see more, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's a remake. Don't not I don't I don't know about that. <laughs> Isn't there a new one in theaters? I don't know. Remake, more like demake. <laughs> you mean uh, Super Mario Brothers? Oh yeah. <laughs> what John Luigi Mamo? Oh my god! Apparently, the new Mario Brothers is supposed to be pretty good. I heard mixed reviews. Okay. I heard some people are like, "It's so good," and some people are like, "Do you have kids?" Oh, you don't. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, all right. So, Aaron, we talked at length about Evil Dead, and I'm glad that we did, because mm-hmm. I feel like a changed person after this. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I just, I just, I I want the Evil Dead to be better than it is. I want a lot of things to be better than it is. Mm-hmm. I just demand better storytelling, and Evil Dead, I just wish, I just, I hope whatever's going to come out of this it's going to be awesome, but I have a strong feeling it's going to be a cabin in the woods. Oh. And I am damn sick of it. Oh. Yeah, that's too bad. It is too bad. But Aaron, but Aaron, where can people catch you 
Okay, so uh, I've got a Star Wars podcast you called do? WSTR, oh Galactic my, Public Access. Oh my god. You can find us at WSTR Media everywhere. Um, I am also part of the uh, Red 5 Tavern. It is wow. a uh, live-streamed D&D experience. What? Brought to you by members of the Red 5 Network. I didn't know that. Yeah, I uh, was a guest player for a couple of sessions, and then they asked me to be a co-DM for the campaign. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you're going to want to check that out. Damn. I have to check that out. Yeah. Aaron, I'm so glad that you're here because, like, we always talk about great movies, and I know, I don't know how, but for some reason, I was like, you like The Evil Dead. Yeah. So. That was a good guess. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here, and I didn't know you are part of uh, that D&D podcast, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's a pretty new thing, so uh, go check it out. I will. All right. So, guys, this has been real. So, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on. Until next time, stop that scroll. Spend more time watching. Goodbye. That's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch our mod along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.